You're about to listen to Office Hours with me, Georgia Howe. This is a weekly companion series to PragerU's popular five-minute videos, where I explore various political and cultural topics with PragerU experts, asking questions and digging deeper to bring you perspectives that you may not hear in a traditional college classroom. To watch the video version of this series, click on the link in the description or go to dailywire.com. Welcome to Office Hours. I'm Georgia Howe with The Daily Wire. Today, we sit down with radio host, author, and founder of Prager University, Dennis Prager. Dennis's new PragerU video is titled, Our Fathers Necessary. With so many people in the media and pop culture diminishing the necessity of fathers, Dennis explores a few of the reasons why fathers may be a bit more necessary than you think. Let's jump right in. Dennis, nice to see you again. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you. It's it's very sad <laughs> that we even have to discuss this. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. That's exactly right. And what's kind of interesting, for people who hadn't haven't seen it yet, um, in your video, you mentioned some stunning headlines. And I want to read them for people who aren't realizing that there are crazy people out there who are actually questioning, are fathers necessary? So in the Atlantic magazine, we have an essay titled, Are Fathers Necessary? A paternal contribution may not be as essential as we think. The New York Times recently published a discussion of five intellectuals that's titled, What Are Fathers For? And one of the contributors, Hannah Rosen, opened her response stating, I'm not sure whether a child needs a father. And the Huffington Post published a piece titled, Fathers Are Not Needed. And they've also published pieces in the past, for example, one titled, Three Reasons Why Father's Day Should Be Abolished. So... It was stunning to me that intelli intelligent people would be arguing such a thing when we have so much data. I mean, an overwhelming amount of data to suggest that fathers are necessary, as if we would need data. But um, I actually compiled a few because I just thought I would like lead with that so people really understand what we're talking about. So, for example, children without a father are four times more likely to live in poverty, 15 times more likely to commit suicide, 32 times more likely to run away, 20 times more likely to have behavioral issues, 14 times more likely to commit rape, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. So in light of that, what I'm wondering from you is what is behind this push to diminish the importance of fathers? Like, why are we even forced to have this conversation? In no order of importance, I would suggest one is that if you acknowledge how bad the outcomes are often without a father, you undermine two critical narratives of the left. One is that poverty causes crime, not fatherlessness. And the other is that racism causes crime, not fatherlessness. The two pillars of left-wing sociological explanations are shattered if you acknowledge that fathers are more important than uh, financial status or race. That's, that's, a, uh, that's a big part of it. Another is anything that backs the nuclear family ideal, the left loathes. Uh, much of, of leftism is an assault on the notion that there is such a thing as an ideal family and that the ideal family is a married man and woman and children. 
so the necessity of a father, uh, obviously, uh, since they're not going to ever deny that women are uh, mothers are necessary, uh, that means, in effect, you are making the case for the nuclear family. So ev- much of what the left stands for uh, is, is undermined by an assertion of the necessity of fathers. Well, it actually reminded me a little bit of the Black Lives Matter, the infamous website uh, statement about um, abolishing the, I think it was like Mm -hmm. the Western prescribed patriarchal nuclear family structure. So there is this kind of interesting thread of um, abolishing the family or diminishing fatherhood that kind of threads throughout several of the um, left-wing organizations and sort of tendrils. So where do you think the trend towards fatherlessness is coming from? What are the main contributors? The the left has offered people an excuse for not marrying, not people, women, uh, as an example. You you don't need a husband. The state will take care of you. That was the message of the 60s and the Great Society. That is a big origin. Tom Sowell points out, which is not something I would have known otherwise, uh, that the black family was actually more intact. A child was more likely to have two parents together in a black family in the 1930s than a white family. Uh, so obviously the, the notion that slavery is what killed the black family uh, today is, is just, it's not supported by, by any evidence. The black family was stronger, much closer to the era of slavery than it is today. Something else shattered it as it's shattering the Hispanic family and eventually the white family. And that is to twin attacks of the government and ideology. The ideology is you don't need to marry. Uh, The very notion that you advocate marriage before children makes you uh, a a white supremacist. Uh, It's a non sequitur, but that's what they would say. Uh, And uh, the uh, the government, we will take care of you, uh, a woman. You don't need a man to to rely on. In fact, the very concept of relying on a man uh, is anathema even to the middle class and upper class female who was told when I was at college, a woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. So what's kind of interesting is these are oftentimes like intellectuals that are kind of purveying these arguments, but we know from data, and I think back on like the the Belmont versus Fishtown essay, we've known for decades that there are very clear correlations between fatherlessness and things like crime and teenage pregnancy and high school dropouts. So what's very interesting is that people who are highly educated, who have access to this kind of information, are actively denying it. Um, do you think it's purely purely ideology that's causing them to do so? Right. It is purely ideology. But when you say the words well-educated or highly educated, is what you said, if you substitute the word indoctrinated for educated, then you understand the crisis of our time. You do not, I, this is, there's nothing I could say that's more important than this. You do not receive an education at college and now nor at high school or at elementary school, you receive an indoctrination. And that, that is the issue of our time. There are so many issues that if I have to isolate one, 
or as I am preparing my next week's column, I just thought of it, in fact, prior to coming on with you, and that is the great, the single greatest thing you can do to save America, and I will say it is to take your kids out of school, to homeschool your children. Uh, a mass exodus from these, uh, I'm, I'm tr trying to choose my adjective carefully, I was going to say evil, uh, I'm suppressing the word evil, but I'm letting everybody know that I'm suppressing it, so it's not fully suppressed. Uh, but uh, uh, they, they, they are, in fact, immoral uh, places, uh, if, that's a, if that's a more tender synonym for evil. Uh, they, they rob your children of their innocence. They sexualize them too early. Uh, they rob them of their past. America is awful. They rob them of their future. You will die because of global warming. You will die now because of COVID. Uh, you can't play with uh, other kids. What they have done to kids this past year, the cowards called teachers unions, the, the, the frauds called teachers unions. Teachers unions care about children as much as the communists cared about workers. And I mean that literally. They used workers to gain power. The teachers unions and many teachers use students to gain power. That's it. They have no interest in teaching them, as was made apparent this year, when they should have been teaching them and didn't. Uh, yet they have not lost their credibility. Parents still send their kids to schools, despite the fact that they will likely come home by the age of 20 from either elementary school, high school, or college, alienated from every good value the parent holds. So something that kind of puzzles me is that about approximately half of America what you just said, like, would not compute. I mean, they, they purely do not, like, they do not see it that same way. And what confuses me is there's a large segment, I would say half of America, that would, that would say that they are, um, have wonderful intentions, that of course they would want to keep families together, and yet they're not seeing the connection between these policies and families being ripped apart. Do you have any suggestion on how you can break through to people like that? Or, I mean, it's like running into a, a wall. Any, I mean, any thoughts? Yes, it's called Daily Wire. <laughs> it's called TPUSA. It's called PragerU. There, there are many, in fact, uh, avenues if people are, are willing to engage them. There is no excuse any longer for not acknowledging what the left is doing to America. And, and my charge here is to liberals. There is nothing in common between liberalism and leftism, and yet liberals vote for the left. The left destroys liberalism everywhere it gains power. And uh, yet the average liberal thinks that we conservatives are their enemy. When we're there, we're not only not their enemy, we're the upholders of their values. We believe in racial integration. We don't agree with, with black graduation ceremonies. We don't agree with black dormitories. The left is what does. The left and the Ku Klux Klan are the only groups that believe in black dormitories, and yet liberals vote black. The liberals believe in defunding the police. The liberals give, give a hoot about the murder rate. The left doesn't. Liberals do, but they will vote for that Democratic mayor again, whether it's Minneapolis, or St. Louis, or Baltimore, 
It's, 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 it's a phenomenon. But once again, the best thing, if you're a grandparent, how about this? If you have more money than your children, which many grandparents do, offer to pay for the homeschooling of your child so that there be no financial price paid by your children for taking their kids out of school. So pivoting a little bit for like more practical steps, getting back to the fatherlessness, are there any policy suggestions that you have or even practical things that, you know, everyday Americans do, can do to help promote, you know, bringing fathers back into the home? The, uh, a professor at University of Pennsylvania Law School about three years ago, I don't recall her name, but she wrote a piece in the San Diego, no, no, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, but she wrote it, she co-authored it with a, a professor of law at UC San Diego. And all she said was, good old middle-class bourgeois values were terrific. And what were they basically? Graduate high school, get a job, and don't get pregnant until you're married. That's it. And do you know what happened to her? Hundreds of her fellow law school, this is an Ivy League law school, Penn, Penn Law School, hundreds signed a petition against her not to teach her current class. They didn't want, they basically wanted her out of the university. Remember what she advocated. She advocated, again, graduating high school, getting a job, and not having children until you're married. And for that, she was uh, called a bigot and everything else by University of Pennsylvania law professors. Th this is not rocket science to use the cliche. That's all you need to understand. Kids need a father. I'm not talking about the issue of lesbian parents, which is a very tiny, tiny segment of the population. For the 97% who are heterosexual and cisgender, this is the, this is the thing to do. Have children after you marry and, and young women get married. It's good for you. It's not just good that your child have a father. This is also part of the of the equation right now. I, 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 I ought to do a video on husband husbandlessness, not just fatherlessness. I know there's probably other countries, I'm thinking of Europe, for example, that are kind of sliding towards the fatherlessness trend, you know, similar to us and maybe even faster than us. I think Sweden is the number one for single mothers in the world. Are there any countries that are uh, sort of working their way back from fatherlessness, um, trying to address this in their country successfully? I don't know of any. Uh, it does seem that leftism is an avalanche, and it, it, it seems to build speed as it goes down the mountain. I, I think that if America doesn't stop it, no, uh, nobody will. It was, it was not for no reason that Lincoln said we're the last best hope uh, uh, for Earth or on Earth. We are the last best hope. And if we, if, if we go in the direction we're going, especially vis-a-vis -vis liberty, uh, then uh, we are entering literally a dark age in human history. Well, I like to leave people with a little bit of hope. Are there any trends with 
you know, you, I know you talk to a lot of Gen Z kids. Yeah. So what, what, what should we be hopeful about? Okay. I'm going to give you a dark answer and a brighter answer. Good. Okay. Whenever I'm asked, is there a hope? I'm reminded of a great story. An Israeli rabbi told me when I was in my 20s, I used to live at his home in Jerusalem when I would visit every year. And he told me a great story from the early days of Israel when uh, it was much more socialist than it is today. And you got your phone through the Ministry of Communications. So he went to the ministry and put in his order for the phone. He said, how long will it take? And the guy said, six months. And my friend said, so I said to the man, is there any hope that I can get it sooner? And the man said to me, sir, there's always hope. There's no chance. <laughs> so, so every time I, I get the question, is there any hope? I think of that awful story that I just told you. Uh, so, uh, yes, there is hope. The question is not if there's hope, is there a chance? <laughs> yeah, yes, there's both a hope and a chance. Uh, the, look. Uh, the followings that that you have at Daily Wire, that that we have at PragerU, TPUSA, and 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 we're not alone. Obviously, we're just among the biggest. But that's not inconsequential. I mean, 65% of our billion views a year are under 35 years of age. I get more requests for selfies at airports from kids than I do from adults. It's it's a very remarkable thing to observe. So the, the question is getting the word out more. They want, that's where the tech company suppression comes in. And that's frightening. That, that is, that's, that's fascism uh, without the government. That, that's what, this is something new. Uh, fascism without government. Uh, what, the, what the tech companies are, are, are doing, what Disney is doing, what Nike is doing, this uh, United Delta this is unprecedented in, in history that companies companies aided the fascists in in, in, uh, in Germany, but it, it was government driven. This is private enterprise driven, and I don't think people foresaw this. Well, Dennis Prager said it first, and it's going to be in a textbook someday, but hopefully this will be a phase and we'll move out of it. Anyway, Dennis, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you online? Well, a number of places. First, obviously, PragerU or PragerUniversity.com. DennisPrager.com for, for all the things that I do and on my radio show. Uh, and uh, since you asked, let me make a plug for the, what I consider my most important writing of my life is I'm explaining the Bible rationally. It's called The Rational Bible. The third volume is coming out in October. Uh, Genesis and Exodus are already out. The Rational Bible. Excellent. Well, I can endorse it. It's a great book. I've only read the first one, to be honest, but it was great. Thank you. Dennis, thanks so much. And that's the end of today's Office Hours. Make sure to tune in next week for our conversation with a new PragerU presenter. I'm Georgia Howe. Thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, if you'd like to see the video version of this show, or if you haven't seen this week's PragerU five-minute video, make sure to click on the link in the description below, or head over to dailywire.com. We'll see you next Monday for a new interview with another PragerU presenter. Thank you.